G'day, thanks for joining the uh, Lunch Money live stream. We are live streaming our way through this crazy pandemic. Uh, listen, did you see Ash Maloney win bronze for Australia in the Olympics? Uh, he won it in the decathlon. Um, it requires him to be good at 10 different events. Uh, for those of us that know Greek. Uh, what are those events? There's uh, the 100 metre sprint, the long jump, the shot put, the high jump, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Hurdles, discus throw, pole vaulting, javelin throwing. Uh, a lot of different disciplines, a lot of them not necessarily, you know, just because you're good at running doesn't mean you're going to be good at uh, pole vaulting or, or javelin throwing. Um, I have a wonderful quote from him, which I don't know if it'll ever make one of those inspirational posters you see in boardrooms. Decathlon is not just about running, jumping and throwing. It's keeping yourself together in one piece. It's making sure you're ready for the next event and taking one step at a time. Uh, Ash Maloney, bronze medal, absolutely fantastic. You are uh, you are our champion and hero here on uh, on Lunch Money today. Um, now, I, I would posit, of course, the owner-manager of a small or medium-sized business uh, also needs to be the master of, of many disciplines. Um, and th these will come to manifest themselves in the financial forecast. A financial forecast, you know, a projection of the business um, done honestly reflects uh, all of the different disciplines, you know, and it reflects what a business is good at, uh, what it needs to do better. And uh, it helps you understand, uh, get your head around some of the challenges that are coming up. But listen, what would I know? Uh, I have here Michael Ford, who is our guest today. G'day, Michael. How are you doing? Nick, how are you? Really good to be here. Fantastic. Michael uh, is the CEO at Castaway Forca uh, Forecasting. Uh, Michael has been on our show before. Well, we've had 98 different guests, which is fantastic. And that, that uh, doesn't include the fact, I think this is Michael's third appearance. Listen, you've been caught up uh, in the exuberance of the Olympics to help uh, keep, keep, keep a positive spirit in these troubled times. I have indeed. How amazing was Ash's, uh, Ash's effort? One of the things that really stood out for me, there was another Australian there, and he will go down in history, I suspect. His name's Cedric Dubler. And following you know, the, the quote you talked about with Ash, the idea that you only really get to keep competing if you can keep on going. So Cedric hurt himself uh, in one of the earlier events. Uh, and well, uh, sorry, he, he didn't get through the pole vault. He was still allowed to keep competing, but he, he was out of the competition. He wasn't going to score. He was the guy who just kept with Ash around the 1500. Ash is not a 1500 meter runner. Four minute, minutes 39 was his personal, or was the personal best he set. Dubler kept himself in the game no matter what pain he was going through. And he was there coaching and helping and urging Ash on to the finish. It came down to nine seconds. Ash had to finish nine seconds, or no more than nine seconds behind the, the, the guys who were in fourth or fifth chasing him. It came down to just, oh, was it 100 points or something similar? Quite amazing. Um, so I completely agree, this idea that you've just, no matter, how, what, no matter what it takes, you've got to find a way to keep on staying in the game. I think it's, it's hard these days. It's getting harder uh, to keep people sort of in the game. But that's what we as business owners have got to keep on doing. Now, very amiss of me. The, the I did I did see that there was the the other chap, but I don't want to call him the other chap. What what was his name again? So Cedric Dubler. So, Cedric uh, Dubler. Cedric I mean, Dubler. I saw that he he sort of acted as a bit of a, a bit of a pacemaker for mm -hmm. that for that fifteen hundred meter. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what we need? We all need a Cedric Dubler, don't we? Particularly yeah, we at, at this at this time. I mean, at all times, but. Uh, yeah, we need that's, that is that's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. At some time, there were, there were times about eight hundred meters in. Ash looked like he was really struggling, 
And at that point, Cedric was running right next to him. So he was, he was pacing him at that point. And then there was other times when he felt, because Cedric was watching where the competition was and knew that we needed to, to speed up. And so then Cedric went a couple of, couple of metres ahead. So he's just balancing that pace and lead uh, exercise. So a great mentor and great coaching skill to do that. Uh, and in the end, uh, Ash just f- flew the last lap, went out of, outside of his body, I'm sure, to, to uh, deliver a performance beyond what he could ever imagine. He set a personal best in the 1,500 metres. And can you imagine anything harder at the end of nine gruelling events in two days to have to go and run four laps as fast as you possibly can? Uh, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, the, the fact that, I mean, they call it, uh, the, 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 they call them gladiators, the people that do the, uh, you know, the decathlon. Yeah. It, it is it is incredible. I, um, I guess uh, one, one of the reasons I enjoy speaking with you, particularly in the last 12 months, has been that, uh, you know, there is, you know, there is a lot of things that we can all get down in the dumps about. But listening to your story is is uplifting, uh, in terms of in, in terms of the castaway business. I mean, you've you expanded into the UK. Um, you you've gone into the cloud over the last twelve or eighteen months. Or tell us a little bit about that. We're, we're getting there. It, look, COVID has been bad for many many businesses, and it's also been good for some. Uh, as a forecasting business, we do budgeting and forecasting financial modelling software. I think the world kind of woke up to the idea that forecasting has, has a real value, a real place in dealing with uncertainty. Uh, we've been a desktop product for 10 years. We launched in September 2010 and have been quite successful at, at desktop. We are coming to the end of a project. We've, we've spent a couple of years building a cloud version, so we're not yet in the cloud but we're coming, that's happening this year. And I think that'll be a game changer for us. Uh, it's It's been a great challenge to kind of build this product uh, as our teams have been coming in, coming out, lockdown, not lockdown, uh, because it's it's a complex beast. You know, it's a couple of years, many, 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 many hours and, and many people years worth of work and millions of dollars worth of investment. To try and pull this together through all the uncertainty of COVID has been challenging. Uh, and we, yes, we're a forecasting company, but we have the same issues that any company has, you know, keeping people motivated, keeping people focused. Uh, but I'm super excited. Uh, we, we, I put something on LinkedIn just the other day. We, we uh, signed up one of the world's top 10 accounting firms. That's number seven. We deal now with seven of the world's top 10 accounting firms. We're on, on track to try and get another couple as well. And cloud is going to make a huge difference to that. It, that that's fantastic. I mean, it, it always uh, makes me smile when, I sp- when I'm speaking with an accountant and I ask them uh, what they're using and they talk about Castaway. And I have heard them say... It I, makes me a- smile too. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard them say I'm doing a Castaway, you know, so it's almost... Yeah. Uh, using it as a generic. Tell me, so you recruited in the UK, yeah? Yeah, we're building a team in the UK. Uh, it's, we, we were, I was over there January, in fact, I was over there uh, Brexit day, January 29th, I think it was last year. And the intention at that point had been to build out a, a team. We were on the, the cusp of hiring some people. So we're still going through that, that, that process. We put things on hold. Our idea really was to set up an overseas office. I wanted someone from our Australian team to go over to the UK, spend six months perhaps, just being that conduit between our UK business and our Australian business, you know, building culture, building understanding, kind of showing people the ropes. And that wasn't, that wasn't possible. Uh, so it's, it's become, you know, it's, it's certainly a challenge to try and build remote teams and certainly build remote teams in the UK. Our customer base has grown significantly in the UK and largely through kind of word of mouth and uh, luckily through reputation, which is fantastic. But I can't wait to get back on a plane and get across there as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, we, we, we were meant to do a trade show there in May 2020. 
got cut and, down. Uh, you, 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 your big signing, uh, the, the big, the, the top ten accounting firm, are they, they're international. They're international. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're international. That gives you international exposure. It's fantastic. Yeah, we've we, we've got. I I love this thing. You know, we've 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 built this little bit of software here in this office in Sydney. And we've got people in Namibia using it. We've got someone in Montenegro modeling a, a hotel construction with it. There's someone, there's an insurance com company in, in, uh, in Zambia or in, uh, in, um, in Zimbabwe using Castaway. It's, it's amazing to, uh, to, to think of the impact. And that's really why we started this thing, you know, try and, try, try and improve the, the state of small business around the world. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Hey, um, okay, so look, getting back to our theme of decathlons, um, mm -hmm. I wonder if uh, I was trying to think, you know, what are the 10 disciplines that a, that a business uh, owner needs? And uh, I, I remembered my Porter's um, value chain. I thought, well, that's a good, yeah, good, nice good, good place to, uh, to sort of have a bit of an anchor. And, you know, so, and, and it breaks down all the, all the parts of a business that create value. And it's a, it's a way of analysing a business. Inbound logistics, uh, operations, you know, you've got to be good at what it is you actually do. Uh, outbound logistics in terms of distribution, particularly if you're a product. Marketing and sales, of course. I mean, the business owner needs to be the number one salesperson, as well as, uh, you know, understanding their markets and who they're selling to and not to mention procurement it you know they're head of hr uh etc so um what uh and, and and my thought was really that these things you know they do manifest themselves in a cash flow forecast don't they i mean you know you you, you, you know when you start at the very top presumably uh, you've got revenue well, what's your marketing strategy? Who you're selling to? What? How are you going to get? You know, what's your look at your four P's? You know, what's your price? What's your distribution? Yep, that's a P and a D. But I'll I'll take the other four P's. <laughs> uh, the, the the Porter's uh, the, the the Porter's model there, I think, is a perfect way of describing a business. It, and it, it fits us as a software company. It fits consulting businesses. It fits manufacturing and 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 uh, you know physical goods based businesses as well. It's a good way to look at it. Because for me, a forecast is only really a story of the business. You know, you don't sit down at the spreadsheet and start chopping, chopping numbers in. I think you've always got to start by knowing what the business is, is intending to do. And so a forecast really is just the, the, the plan for the business written in numbers, ideally. So it should take into account all of those, uh, all those, uh, those 10, uh, uh, 10 aspects that Porter talks about. Uh, you know, some of the best business modelling I've ever done, I think, you know, Castaway is a budgeting tool, a cash flow tool, a forecasting tool, but I think at, at its peak, it's used as a business modeling tool. And I think there's a, it's an advancement beyond just forecasting. You know, I think there's a, there's a lot we can talk about about forecasting, but for me, forecasting is really about getting a sense of, 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 uh, of the model of the business. But you want to set something up so you can do what ifs and scenarios you know, continually, you know, to try and sort of answer some of those uncertainties in the future. Um, what, what, one thing I picked up when, when I saw that um, that Porter's model, I've long thought that accountants report upside down. We start it with the PL, we go to the balance sheet next. We start at sales, we go to cost of sales, we go to overheads, profit, and then we go to the balance sheet, so cash and assets and liabilities and equity. That's how an accountant sees the world. I am an accountant or a reformed accountant, so I, I kind of get that. The entrepreneur, I'm also an entrepreneur, sees it entirely differently. We start with equity. We say, how much money have we put in? How much, how much, how much additional funding have we raised to sort of build up our, our capacity to invest? What assets have we then acquired with that funding? And then what working capital gets tied up? 
Then when it comes to the P&L, we start with overheads because I reckon, you know, overheads have often been denigrated and long been denigrated as being, you know, they're the things you've got to try and cut. Overheads give you the capacity to run a certain scale of business. They are the most important thing. They're the foundation for running any business. And then you've got production, whatever it is you're producing, whether it's a service or a good or whatever, then you've got production. And then finally, you get to do marketing and then sales. And that's, that's I think, the way that, that, uh, that Porter has laid that out at the top. It talks about firm infrastructure, then human interaction and technology and the like. You've got to have all those pieces in place first before uh, you can even think about making or selling anything. Um, you know, for us, the best forecasting exercises are those that talk through the flow of the business. Um, lots of examples we can talk about. I did a lot of work with mining companies uh, the last oh, sort of five to 10 years ago. And I walked into one organization and they had forecasts all over the place. They used to re-forecast regularly, had KPIs. So one, one organization had four pages of KPIs, four A4 pages full of KPIs. They measured everything and understood very little, to paraphrase Oscar Wilde. And that's what they, they brought us in for, to try and help unpick, you know, why is it that we measure so much stuff, but people didn't understand enough of what was going on. You know, we're, back then we were, we were teaching people commercial acumen. Well, can I can I? I'll just I'll just yeah. uh, interject there. Uh, of course, uh, understanding enough of what's going on uh, is enhanced if you uh, if you subscribe uh, to Lunch Money. So don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're on. And of course, another way of uh, broadening your understanding, as I reach over here, is by asking us a question. You can ask Michael or myself a question live right now, and we'll send you this wonderful mug. Um, so, Michael, I thought that we, uh, I, I, I actually have a real life case. I posted it mm. uh, as a question on LinkedIn today. And uh, you probably, when you saw that, you probably thought, oh, that's bloody corny. You know, what, you know, what a, what a, what a, what a, uh, you're sending me a Dorothy Dixer or a, an underarm there. But no, it's actually, I had a, a client, uh, an old client, um, and he called me and he said, listen, I've, uh, he's in a new business. He says, look, mm. I've lodged a patent for this invention. And it's in mining services, but I won't say any more about that. Uh, and he said, look, I, I reckon I need, you know, X dollars. Um, I said, look, that's that's great. Send me through what you've got. And I'm expecting to get some financial forecasts mm, and mm. some background. He sends me through the patent application. Um, right. So <laughs> start. that's a start. Now, my advice to him uh, to begin with, the first thing I'm thinking is I really need to get him in front of someone else because this isn't my role to package that up. And, in fact, uh, a castaway user in Perth is someone who I've got in mind uh, yeah, who correct. we both know. Um, but but the, 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 the question I've got is um, my suggestion to him is, number one, get a forecast done and also do some market research, obviously. I mean, how much are people prepared to pay? Because one of the things about the forecast, of course, now I think that we're in equity territory, not debt territory, by the way. Mm. As in, mm. Now, if I'm going to be an equity investor, how much money am I going to put in? How much is enough? Because as, after yep. I've written the first check, I don't want to have to suddenly, you know, get desperate calls for more money. And what's in it for me? What am I going to make? Um, so using that, what, what, what would your advice be? Do you, do you think I'm on, on the right track? And how can a, how can a cash flow forecast help uh, you know, the, the business owner get their head around all of those important questions? Yeah, I think you're entirely on the right track. In fact, what we're talking about here is is uh, the steeplechase. So we're not really, it's not a, not a decathlon event, but it's one of the events at the Olympics. Just, it, you run around the track and you get hurdles in the way. The first hurdle here is that 
I, I, I fully believe a cash flow forecast is necessary, if for no other reason than to put the ideas that this guy's got on paper, to commit numbers to it, to show that he's thought through the process of what it will take to, uh, to take this patent, turn it into a product, commercialize it, launch it, grow it, protect against competition, um, you know, manufacture it at scale, all the rest. Um, there's a ton of things that, that have to happen clearly between having a piece of paper called a patent and having a successful business based on that, that technology, massive amounts of, uh, of, of effort. But the first thing, you know, often someone like that would say is, yeah, but how do I forecast? You know, I've, I've no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to price this thing at. I don't know how it's going to be made. I don't know what it's going to cost. And so they put up the first hurdle of, I just don't know. Mm. And, you know, in a broader sense, this idea of forecasting and uncertainty is, is somewhat, sometimes people seem to think that's the, it's not possible. I think forecasting is entirely possible in, in uncertainty, but you've got to do it the right way. And this is where we get to the forecast is not all about slapping some numbers on a piece of paper. The forecast is a disciplined process and the numbers are just the outcome of the process. So I would be saying to this guy that or the, the, the next hurdle you get, so the, I'm saying first, yes, do a forecast. Next hurdle is, well, what do I put on, you know, what, what do I assume is going to happen in the business? And here I think you get to the real heart of forecasting, which is being able to be prepared for anything. It's not about predicting. It's about being prepared for multiple different scenarios. So scenario modeling, I think, is an important part of forecasting. Because if you think about it, a forecast that he might present to you is one set of numbers that represent one response to one set of assumed circumstances. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that thing that he pre pre presents to you ignores every other possible circumstance. And therefore, it's easier for any financier, whether they're an investor or a, like an equity or debt financer, financier, to poke holes in that set of assumptions, you know, because the forecast, one forecast is only one story. So I'd be then saying, let's sit down and do this as a disciplined process of scenario modeling. Number one, we start with what are the possible scenarios you can see? And you'll cut it down to three or five different possibilities. He's got a few phases in his business. One is, so he's got the idea. Then he's got to get the prototype product, assuming it's a product here. Then he's got to work on uh, fine-tuning that, getting some market feedback. So there's that first bit of proving the product, okay? So you can, you can make, make some assumptions about that, the amount of time and amount of money it might cost to prove the product up. Then there's the actual launch and commercialization. And that means he's got to go put a business together. All those 10 things that Porter talked about, one of them was technology or, or you know, and, 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 uh, and operations to create the product. The other nine are also equally important when it comes to building a business. So well, he's well, look at well, what that well takes. even then, even then, I mean, just at a very high level, um, you know, am I going to manufacture this product myself? What's that going yep. to cost? What what level of investment is that going to require in plants and uh, and physical assets? Yep. Or am I going to have someone uh, manufacture it in China, offshore, wherever it might be? Uh, which is a different uh, a different cost uh, you know it's a different cost curve I suppose in terms of maybe maybe it's going to cost more to do that in the long run but in the, it saves me short run investment then of course who's going to sell it am I going to uh, am I going to go through channel I'm going to find channel partners or am I going to sell this stuff direct and then you might say well hang on a minute have you got any experience selling what's your contact base like how's that all going to work yep. um, so certainly you, there, there are different scenarios. If you step it through, what you've got to identify first are the apex questions. There's a series of apex questions. So one of them is, how does he get it manufactured? And there's really three ways. 
One is he manufactures it himself. One, another one is he outsources it to someone else. Another third one is it might be he licenses it to somebody. There's only a small number of possibilities, and so you might as well model each of them. The next apex question is, yeah, how does he get it? How does he bring the thing to market? And there'll be a number of different possibilities for that. And so the, the process isn't that daunting. It's just identifying what are the, the critical apex questions. The, the apex questions are those where the answer to that question has a whole series of knock-on effects. Um, and so you kind of end up tracing this logic tree, starting from you know the, the, the idea of how you manufacture the business all the way through to how to get it to market. And then at this stage, I'm still nowhere near the keyboard. Okay? I'm not near Excel. I'm not near Castaway. I'm not near any tool. I'm, I'm writing the story. Because you've got to tell the story like it makes sense. Okay, so I, you know, scenario number one is I'm going to manufacture this stuff myself. I'm going to employ my own onshore sales team. I'm going to go out and you know, hire some industry experts and whatever, you know, the high cost method. And then you could also build a low cost, agile method of, of approach as well. The point of it is the forecast is the outcome of this amazing business planning process. And that's always what we'd recommend. It's not just about slapping numbers on, on a page at all. So I guess in any of those scenarios, it's uh, what problem am I solving for who and uh, how am I going to make money out of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh... Done well, it teaches, like you learn a lot about the business as you go. Okay, you get to, it is that, that point of introspection in the business. If you, if you do the forecasting process, the, the, process the, the, the way we would suggest, which is a, a deep introspection and deep uh, review of all of the key questions. Because the beautiful thing is then you've got the, the num set of numbers you've got are actually, uh, they're just a, uh, the, the, they're just one reflection of a whole series of assumptions and forecasts have to be assumptions based because you, you it's the assumptions you're watching for. You, the, whether those assumptions are coming true or whether they're not coming true, they become the early warning sign that something may be wrong. And if you build the forecast the right way around critical assumptions, you're actually building an entire, or you, you, you're starting this performance management cycle, which is what is sits at the heart of all great businesses. And you mentioned a decision tree. Was it? Is that what you said? Decision tree, or yeah, yeah. The so, you used? And yeah, is that something that's built into your into your package? It's not. It's not. Okay. Our, our package outputs numbers and we input numbers. Yeah. You know, we're we're yeah. particularly good at doing the hard maths around building a P&L balance sheet and cash yeah. flow statement and a bunch of other reports that all balance every time. Yeah. Um, so we take the time out of the number crunching, yeah. which then frees people up to, to put the real time into the thinking thinking and the analysis. Yeah. Um, we, we, no, we, 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 we advocate for best practice around forecasting, certainly around decision trees and multi-scenarios and modeling do nothing different forecasts and then do something different. So, you know, disciplined ways of, of, of deciding scenarios. Well, uh, we, I, we, I, I'm, I was going to say, I, I, my, my, this, this ex-client of mine is going to expect me to pull a rabbit out of the hat. But what, what I'm going to do is actually tell him to watch this, uh, watch, watch this replay and uh, then I'm going to direct him to our friend uh, that, that 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 in, in Perth who will do all of that, uh, all of that, yeah. uh, who will drive uh, uh, drive um, the the um, the model. Hey, um, the other thing I, I mean, I've got another scenario where I'm insisting on a on a on a forecast, and it's it's one where we're bailing a client out. They're they're in uh, you know so-called bad bank uh, with one of the major banks. Mm. Um, the, the bank has extended them a lot of money. A whole lot of stuff's gone wrong. They bought some additional businesses that didn't work out. They've, right. they've got rid of those business uh, units. They're now getting back to where they were. But meanwhile, they've still got all the debt. 
the bank has agreed to uh, to take a haircut, which is uh, okay. which is good for everybody. But you know, I still want to know that regardless of the haircut, and you know, with the new businesses modelled the way they are, that the thing is going to be viable. It's going to be yeah. able to service its debt obligations. Um, so that's that's a different scenario where we're using uh, these forecasts. Um, if you, if, what 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 do you sort of think about it under that scenario? Slightly different scenario. Uh, again, highly applicable. Um, what you need to know, what, what you what you want, the, more importantly, what you want the business to know is that there is a viable path through to the end or to, to, to a successful outcome. Um, uh, rule number one there, I'd say your forecast has to be three-way. You've got to have P&L, balance sheet and cash flow all together. Mm-hmm. If for no other reason than the balance sheet, inclusion of the balance sheet gives you a sanity check. You know, so often we see very hopeful P&Ls uh, you know, hockey stick forecasts in the PL looking great. But when you look at the working capital implications on the balance sheet or the capital investment implications, it's not really realistic. Um, so the balance sheet is good as a sanity check. And, you know, so we, we, Listen, we, I'm going to stop you right there just for one second, right? Because we're mm-hmm. going to do something. I'm going to set you up here, right? I'm going <laughs> to set you up because I'm going to use this. I'm, I want to create a clip, right? Yep. Because sometimes I say to accountants, I need a three way. And they go, what's a three way? Okay. So, here comes the clip, okay? Tell me, Michael, what is a three-way forecast? Three-way forecast is simply a forecast that includes a profit and loss statement, a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement all integrated. Pretty simple. Uh, it, it is designed so that you use the balance sheet as a sanity check, because we've all seen those hockey stick P&L type forecasts, the very optimistic forecasts of growth and profit and increasing margin and the like. What we know as accountants and what business operators know is that as you grow, that has impacts in the balance sheet. Uh, debtors, in, inventory creditor uh, in, in impacts tax and GST as well as capital requirements. You can't just forecast the P&L. It's only one small part of the business. And so for me, three-way is the only way to forecast. Uh, years ago, I came across this idea and uh, I, I don't recall where it came from, but it kind of really resonated that a business is a balance sheet moving through time. If you can imagine the balance sheet on the left-hand side, there's assets and liabilities, equity. Right-hand side, assets, liability, equity, there's the before and the after picture. The cash flow statement is the thing that links the cash balance, the opening cash balance to the closing cash balance. And the P&L is the thing that links the opening retained earnings to closing retained earnings. It's kind of a, it's a financial breach. Um, you've got to have all three because you can't describe the business with just one of those statements. Okay, now, now when, when we say to accountants, we need a three-way, uh, they're going in the back of their mind, well, I've got QuickBooks or, you know, Xero or, or uh, MIOB. Tell us about how, um, how Castaway sort of solves that problem in bridging the, in bridging, in ta- taking the balance sheet on its journey into the future. Yeah, certainly. So uh, MIB and Zero and QuickBooks and all, all the rest are fantastic at looking backwards, telling the truth of what's happened in the past. Castaway is designed to start where they finish and look forwards. So we we built Castaway because I got frustrated building models in Excel. You can do everything that Castaway does in Excel, perhaps, but it takes you a ton of time. So just think about it. Let's We, we, we might start with an opening debtors figure, 100000 bucks. You might suggest that you've got sales of... $10,000 a month plus GST. So, and, and you get paid on 30 day terms because you put those inputs into Castaway. And we then do the calculations. We know you've got 10K a month in, in revenue, 11,000 bucks a month in invoicing. And after the first month, because you haven't been paid, you'll have $11,000 worth of debtors or extra debtors. So, what we 
set out to do in Castaway is have a user enter things that are kind of operationally intelligent, you know, revenue values, units and, and rate, GST rates, payment timings, customer payment timings, that sort of thing. And then we do all the maths in the background to, to fill out the balance sheet calculations, make sure everything balances. Three-way really is just another way of saying double entry bookkeeping, which is another way of saying the numbers work every time, which is really okay. what's important. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. That's a wrap on that little that little segment. I'm going to uh, our producer is going to make a clip of that, and it's going to right. go on YouTube. And every time uh, I ask someone for a three-way forecast, I'm going to send them uh, the URL to that. So uh, now that you now that you've helped us out with that, and uh, we're going to be, uh, I'm now going to sort of step us on the journey. So we've we talked about the startup situation, mm. and uh, um, and uh, we I also mentioned this this turnaround situation. And, you know, often I say to people, listen, I, I, you know, for any sort of lending scenario, I need to see a three-way. And so they want to do a quick and dirty. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you say is a fast forecast is rarely a good forecast. Um, yeah. talk, us, talk us through why you say that. It's, it's really easy to put numbers on a page. Okay, it's really simple to put numbers on a page. Maybe take last year's numbers and increase them by 3% or 5% or something. But I think you do yourself a real disservice. Do you, the business a disservice and do advisors and lenders and financiers and other stakeholders a disservice? Because, you know, last year plus 3% is fun with maths. It's not a forecast. A, a forecast, for a forecast to work, it has to be connected to your operations assumptions and connected to what you're intending to do in the business. Fundamentally, it's got to be connected with the story. So, yeah, I can give you a fast forecast. In fact, there's tools out there that promote themselves on the speed that they can help you get a forecast except all they're doing is putting numbers on a page, which, you know, you might as well have a random number generator. I, like I, love, what you, I, lo I love what you just said then. That's fun with maths. So uh, it's, not, it's not really, you're just having a good time, but you're not really achieving an outcome. I mean, you also talk about simplistic versus simplified forecasting. Yeah, I think, and there's a key difference. I think simplistic means you're ripping the guts out of something so it loses its essence. And fast forecasting is simplistic. It kind of misses the point in my view. Simplified forecasting, I think, is much more powerful. Where you've built a business model, it doesn't have to be fully featured. You don't need all the numbers, all the lines. You can still focus on big, on big ticket items if you want to. You don't have to have the detail. But as long as it, it simplified means it's it's sort of boiled down to its essence. It's like the, almost the, the the Plato, the idea of Plato. I mean, everything has an essence. So a simplified forecast is like a dot like a paint-by-numbers version of the Mona Lisa. If you think the, the real story of the business is the Mona Lisa, the, the simplified forecast, the good one, is the paint-by-numbers version. It's still recognisable. It, it, it gives you the outline, the, the major colours. You get a sense of it because yeah. the power of the forecast is kind of the, is, is measured by the, the quality of the conversations and the decisions and the actions it triggers, not by the how pretty the numbers are. Well, it's a functional roadmap, isn't it? It doesn't have to describe Entirely. every single bush, but it needs to show you how you're going to get through there. Hey, um, the other thing, I guess we were talking about, you know, we are we can't ignore the fact that we're living through COVID. I don't really mm. like talking about it because I, I find uh, there's too much of it around the place, uh, you know, elsewhere. But, yeah. but nonetheless, Absolutely. I think it's interesting. I know you, you touched on it before, um, but we were talking about, you know, forecasting in uncertainty. Um, you know, I mean, you know, we were all having a good time a couple of months ago, and then here we are now, the whole Eastern Seaboard's locked down. So mm. just, just just want to sort of dwell on that, just talk a little bit more about forecasting and uncertainty in the context of where we are today. 
Yes, yeah, certainly. Look, I, I mentioned it before and I keep on saying it, forecasting is not about predicting a certain future. It's about preparing us for many versions of an uncertain future. It's about, as you said, the art, it's the art of designing business roadmaps. And so the forecasting process at every stage ought to be it's a, uh, the, the idea of logical incrementalism. Where are we today? What are the possible um what are the possible paths from here and what will we what, what do we choose to do in the in case either of the, or any of those paths come to fruition it's the, it's it's like if you're a coach of a, of a football team you want to be standing on the sidelines with a playbook you want to know what what plays to call instead of standing there with no idea what you what you'll uh, what you'll intend to do so uncertain uh, everything is uncertain you know ceo's job the business owner's job is to make decisions in the face of uncertainty but let's say if those decisions aren't informed by some type of insight analysis thinking or just you know uh, uh, experience they're actually guesses they're not real decisions we, we we dress them up and call them decisions but they're just guesses i'd much rather help business owners swing the odds in their favor by giving them information that helps them make better better calls now, we've got uh, a comment here from Brad Solly, who is an accountant in mm -hmm. Perth, who I know quite well. I, I don't know if you're a, a, for, uh, a castaway user, Brad, but uh, just for our listeners, Brad Solly says, rubbish in, rubbish out is a big problem. Entirely. My experience is that most SME clients managed accounting files, zero QuickBooks, et cetera, are not accurate. Before forecasting forward, need to make sure starting position is correct, especially if historic performance is used as an indicator for future performance. I'd say that uh, you would you would concur solidly with that. Listen, Brad, Brad, yeah, Brad makes a really good point. The key part is to get an opening balance sheet that's right. And even if you, you cash, debtors, inventory, fixed assets is is you know creditors is maybe enough. And GST and tax liabilities. I don't really love the idea of forecasting from history. You know, the last couple of years have shown us that history is a very bad guide of the future. We do tend to encourage people to do. Uh, sort of zero-based, ground-up forecasting, because it, we we keep getting to to rethink the assumptions. And that's the that's the 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 great bit of forecasting. You get people to keep thinking about the future instead of worrying about this week and the end of next week and whether they can pay the bills next Friday. You start extending their focal length. They think more about risk and opportunity because they can take a longer-term view. That's the Trojan horse that 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 forecasting creates. It just builds this culture of thinking forward and well, that guess, ends up uh, being a much more strategic business. One of Stephen Covey's uh, seven habits is beginning with the end in mind. So it certainly helps in totally. that regard. Listen, believe it or not, we are 34 minutes in and I don't like to go for more than 40 minutes. So just a shout out to um, those of you who like to ask questions after we've closed uh, the podcast, the live stream, uh, and get, get your questions in now because this is your warning. We are going to uh, we are going to shut down in a few minutes. So please, if you've got a question, throw it into us now. Um, listen, we wanted to talk a little bit about mental health. God knows I'm going mm. insane. Uh, you can tell that by looking at my crazy <laughs> hairstyle at the moment. Um, but tell us a little bit about what your your thoughts on on mental health and what you're doing to stay sane. Uh, it's it's um i think it's always been an issue thankfully the world is talking more about mental health our experience you know we cast away in part helps people with cash flow forecasts we talk to people all the time who are suffering on the edge of not having enough cash flow i've often observed the corrosive nature the almost cancerous nature that doubt ongoing concern about cash flow not really knowing whether where things are going creates on people it grinds you it's hard to keep up 
And then when things like COVID come along, this sort of ex external shock can really p push people off kilter. I think it's super, super important to be able to, to, to firstly acknowledge it. It's hard running your own business because it's hard to get to, to, to find people to talk to. And often it's difficult just to figure out how the heck to get through. We, we see it and, you know, we, we support the idea of, of, of maintaining mental health. Ritual is, is important. Ritual, some of our habits and rituals have been threatened or, or, you know, messed up with COVID. Exercise is important. I think it's something that's, for me, I've, I've found useful. Last year, I, I've got, I'll admit a bit quite openly, I, um, I used to do a lot of cycling and last year I didn't do a whole lot. I did two and a half thousand Ks at the start of the year, then got fat, put on about eight kilos and was in a, you know, I wasn't in a great state. Mentally was down and flat and everything kind of felt like it was all building up. A ton of things happened around the, around the business, around family. And it just was, it was a bad state and it's hard to get through. You've got to pull yourself out. Um, so this year, uh, and I've, I've, I've done a lot more cycling. I'm, I, I ride with a group called Tour to Cure and, you know, we, we ride to raise money for cancer research over the, what, 11 years, it raised $65 million, funded 400, uh, uh, 400 projects and made a whole bunch of, or been responsible for a whole bunch just, of Just, just while you're telling us about that, uh, we've got a, we've got uh, your website there just uh, oh, fantastic! flash up. There so, we go. Look, uh, look at that. Look at that. That's, that was uh, me in Tasmania a couple of years ago. I've got the okay. uh, radio there. I'm one of the ride leaders. And I love being able to sort of put energy back into something like this, which is so worthwhile. Um, through lockdown, through COVID, through pandemic, all charities, I think, have, have seen a real or been really challenged to keep fundraising. And the problem is the, the causes they support don't stop. Cancer research doesn't stop or it shouldn't stop. If it does, then you've got to go back and start again. Uh, you know, I know you were doing some work. You, you did a big run with the, the Smith family. Yeah. Uh, raising some money and it's hard for all these organizations to keep going through through COVID I, and I don't know is it the old thing that when you focus on stuff outside yourself it's much more satisfying and it also helps you to kind of get some stability and and um, and, and and quiet in the brain I think that that's definitely true as is sim the simple fact of being fitter fit like a fit body creates a fit mind and i, 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 I get totally it. I, I think you've got to oxygenate the brain you've got to oxygenate yeah. the brain and and you know what i you know I, I i start most mornings with with a little workout and um yeah, and uh it means that no matter what happens through the day you've achieved something you know you, you've yeah. you've you've accomplished some goal you start the day with a with a goal and i'm sure it's the same with you when you jump on your bike presumably you've yep. got a, a set number of kilometers or a route in mind and uh you know, when you get off that bike, um, then uh, then then you've done it, and that that's fantastic. Listen, yeah, that's uh, any any sort of uh, any sort of closing thoughts? I think we've it's it's been a really interesting conversation, and thank you very much for it. Um, I I do I, I urge the idea that although forecasting is might sound complicated, I and we often see it not done well. When done well, it can be the, the the linchpin for business success, for for confidence, for clarity, for having people have roadmaps in place, so they know how to walk into the, an uncertain future with confidence. I think that's critical for business performance and human performance. It all, to me, makes a whole lot of sense, and it doesn't have to be as hard as people think. But I reckon we've got to get away from this idea that the forecast is just about maths, it's just about the Excel spreadsheets, just about the outcomes. That's not about that at all. Like get away from the keyboard, think about your business, give your business the gift of your attention. That's really what forecasting does. Hey, listen, what was the name of that 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 other guy again? The guy that ran uh, uh, Cedric Dubla. 
Cedric Dubler. I'm going to write that on my whiteboard here, and I'm not going to D U B L E R. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. All right, well, look, uh, on that note, Michael, I'm going to say thank you very much to Michael Ford. I mean, it's just incredible how quickly the time's gone, certainly for me. And we we did get through most of our talking points, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, so, so thank you so much, Michael, for for, for uh, generously sharing, uh, sharing your time and your thoughts. Um, we will post uh, some links uh, to yourself and also to your charity. So um, uh, help help Michael with his fundraising aims there would be wonderful as well. Thank you very much to everybody who has tuned in today. Uh, thank you to everybody who tunes in later to our podcast. Uh, don't forget to share, like, and subscribe and uh, do all those good things. Hit the notification button, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, keep fit, stay well, stay positive uh, if you're on the Eastern Seaboard and uh, good luck to you if you're watching from Perth. Cheers, we'll do it all again next week.